You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Glad you're here in God's house to celebrate with us and worship. Uh, I'm going to start by praying, as I always do, but I just want to pray a prayer of thankfulness to the Lord today. I don't know about you, but I'm just going to spend some time this weekend considering all that God has blessed me, us with, and truly it's astounding, isn't it? So I want to thank him for all that he's done in our lives and given us and blessed us with, but, but also recognize this, that I think one of the great permeating sins of our culture is ingratitude. And so I think we kind of look at the big ones, right? The big ones, we like, we don't want to get to the big sins, but one of the permeating ones is ingratitude. And, and it's not just Thanksgiving we're supposed to be grateful, but, but you know the times we say, like, I wish I had, and I don't have enough, and I want. And so I'm going to also pray a prayer of today as I thank the Lord, just pray a prayer of confession on behalf of all of us, just for the ingratitude that so quickly just springs up in our hearts. And then also I just want to pray because I realize it's Thanksgiving today and, and we uh, have much to be thankful for, but there's many people who aren't in the same place and there's a lot going on in lives and in the world around us. And if, you've been in a, if you haven't been in a cave, you understand that something significant happened in Las Vegas last week. And uh, I don't know about you, but it's devastating. And, and so we celebrate Thanksgiving, but we can't become disconnected as God's people from everybody else and hurt and pain in the world. And so I'm just going to pray also for uh, just that God would be a God of comfort to all those who are going through such difficult times here uh, and around the world. So will you join me? I'm going to get on my knees and pray uh, just a humble adoration to bow before the Lord. But, but join me as we pray and just express our thankfulness, uh, our repentance, but also asking God to, to really be God in others' lives as well. God, we are thankful today for uh, an opportunity this weekend just to stop everything and focus all of our thoughts on just being thankful. God, as we look around us, we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you, God, for sending us your son, Jesus. As the video so adequately shows us, we are but desperate, wicked sinners apart from Jesus Christ coming and infiltrating the world and penetrating our lives with the glorious gospel. Thank you for the gospel, Lord. That's the game changer for every one of us. We don't want to go through Thanksgiving without thanking you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, that he loves us enough to die for us and give himself for us. But thank you also, God, that you've given us all things in Jesus. Thank you, God, as your word says, you've given us grace upon grace. We are so blessed here in North America, in St. Catharines, in this community. God, thank you for freedom to worship you. Thank you, God, for the monetary resource you've given us. We don't lack a thing, God, even though we think we do sometimes. We lack absolutely nothing because of your mercy upon us. Thank you, God. Thank you for food in our fridges and roofs over our heads and clothes on our backs and and relative peace in our country. And there's so much, Lord, that we just want to say thank you for. Thank you for our church family, God. Thank you for friendships that you bring into our lives. Thank you for our families. Uh, Thank you for health. Thank you, Lord, for joy. Thank you for uh, love that you put in our hearts for you and for uh, each other. God, you're so good to us. God, I want to ask that you forgive us. I believe one of the permeating sins of our culture is ingratitude. Forgive us, Lord, for the times where we're ungrateful for all that you've done and all that you've given us in Jesus Christ. God, would you help us be a people, a church who truly live in gratitude every day? God, would we turn from the wants, Lord, and turn to Jesus? Would we turn from our desires, Lord, and instead be thankful for all that we have? Would you see that in us, God, today, that we'd be a grateful people? Protect us, Lord, from the thoughts and the patterns of the world that gravitate towards everything else. And just let us live in thankfulness, Lord. 
God, I also pray today for all those that are maybe celebrating in this room Thanksgiving, but are in a place where it's just hard to be thankful. There's some difficult things happening in their lives, and, and it's a sad day. Remember they, maybe, maybe they remember Thanksgivings of the past that have been better. God, would you just envelope them today, God, in your love? Would you remind them today, God, that you are for them and not against them? Lord, would you even remind them of the, the truth, the simple truth of the gospel, that Jesus loves them with a sacrificial love. God, would you give them reasons to be thankful? God, I think of those down in Las Vegas and all the pain and the anguish and the atrocity that happened there. Oh God, would you be the God of all comfort to those who are mourning today? Lord, those who are lost without hope and devastated without repair beyond this, about this, God, would you help them turn to Jesus Christ as, as their sole Savior, God, but also as their comfort and as their satisfaction. God, would you turn this travesty into something beautiful for your glory, I pray. Would you be with believers in Las Vegas and help them, Lord, to come around this community and to truly show the love of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that in the midst of this darkness, Lord, there would be light shining so strongly for Jesus Christ that you can be undeniable, even in this most horrible time. Lord, our hearts are there. I know your heart is there, so I just lift them up to you today, God. And please, would you uh, show your glory to them and to us as we open up your word. Would we be again today, God, impacted by the mighty love of our Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Psalm 91 is where we're going to be this morning. If you have a Bible, you can start getting there. If you don't, just slip your hand up, and one of our ushers will be happy to get a copy of God's Word into your hands. Always lots to be thankful for this Thanksgiving, but it all comes from one place, right? It comes from the immeasurable love of God. If you're struggling this morning to get to a place of thankfulness, come back to this one truth. We all need to stay there. It's simply this. You are loved. God loves you, that's all we need, that's, that's, that's what we have been given in such great measures by the God of the universe, and it's not a mushy, gushy sort of love like we t- tend to think of love, like the, the songs of the days talk about love, it's a, it's a true love, it's a broad love as we talk, it's a pursuing love, it's a forgiving love, it's a disciplining love, but it's also this, it's an ever-protecting love. It's an ever-protecting love. As I watched some of the news clips all week of what happened down in Las Vegas last Sunday night, I was struck in a gut-wrenching way with the evil. This is pure evil, what went, what went on there. And every time you watch what, how people are, the whole scenario playing out, you just get this sick feeling in your gut. But at the same time, out of this, this dark place, there's these little stories of glimmers of light that have come out of them. And, and I, I love those even more than the, the, all the, the press around the other stuff. But, but here's a couple that came out that really struck me. One is about a, a man named Sonny Melton. He was from Tennessee. And as soon as the shot started ringing out, he started running with his wife. And, and he ran behind her, not knowing where the gunfire was coming from, but running instinctively away from it. He was running behind her with his hands on her hips, trying to shelter her from bullets. And as she tells the story, she knew at once that a couple of them hit her husband. And she turned around and he ended up passing away, but he did so in a most heroic way, sheltering his wife with a deep love. It's a powerful story. Another story I listened to is two women telling their version of what happened. They were hiding under something like maybe this, this little scaffolding here. And, and so, of course, there's some open space. A complete stranger came up and laid his body across the open space. And he, too, took bullets. And, and, and they watched him die before they took off 
for safety. And all they said, I don't know what he looks like anymore. I can't recall, like, it was so blurry, right? But I just know that somebody else covered over me that I might continue to live. What powerful stories, aren't they? Of self-sacrificing, protective love. And, and brothers and sisters, I tell you those stories today, not to rehash the past week, because I think they're great descriptions and great perspectives of how deeply God loves you and how God loves you with a with a protective, self-sacrificing type of love. These, these are a picture of the love that God has for you and I. I think we can hear a lot that Jesus loves me, I get that, but I don't know if we know the, the vastness of how significant that is. Even sometimes we can even come into church and say, I know that Jesus loves me because he died on the cross. And, and that's a picture of Jesus Jesus' death for you, and when Jesus died on the cross, he actually covered you. He covered you, not from bullets, but from the nails that were due to come to you, and he, he covered you and protected you from the wrath of God, the death that you deserved, that you might live freely. That's a picture of Jesus' love for you, but I want you to know this, brothers and sisters, that Jesus' love for you is not just a one-time act. God's love for you is not just a one-time act. It's a continual life journey of God continually covering you by his protective care. That's how deeply God loves you. We're gonna look at Psalm 91 today. And I'm gonna read it for you. And it's a psalm that's ultimately about Jesus Christ. It's a messianic psalm, but it's also filled with some amazing truths for all of those who are in Jesus Christ today. If you're in Christ Jesus today, these are truths that are for you. Let me read and you'll see the significance of how much God loves you. Look at verse 90, chapter 91, verse 1. Let me read this. Whole thing, I'll unpack it. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, this is God, I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Isn't that a powerful word? I, I love this chapter of the Bible. I look around at our world today, at our culture today, and you know what we need more than anything else? We need this assurance today that God is our protection. There's so many reasons today, more than ever before, to fear. 
and to wonder, and yet we don't have to as believers. We don't have to walk through our life in fear. We can have faith that God is for us and God is protecting us every step of the journey. I think one of the greatest things that we battle with as believers is fear. And today, well, I'm praying simply this, that God would deliver us from fear to faith that we could walk through life with no fear of what's to come because God has us covered. Here's the first point I want you to write in your notes. God's protection overshadows my life. God's protection overshadows my life. This is what this psalm is teaching us as we understand the love of God. We have to get this to get the full scope of it. God's protection overshadows my life. He who dwells in the shadow of the Most High. In essence, you make God your dwelling place. You make it your number one priority in life to stay near God no matter how easy or how comfy or how difficult or how confusing life gets. And get this, God's got your back. Choose to live in close proximity to God and you'll find yourself in this place, in the shelter, see this? The shelter of the Most High in this intimate place of divine protection. This is God's promise for all believers. He doesn't just save us, but he will protect us with his everlasting love. Think about these two words, Most High. Who's it referring to? It's referring to God, the shelter of the most high, not the shelter of somebody pretty high. This is the most high God. This means that that where God dwells, no threat can get him. No no enemy can even approach close to God. This is the God who protects you. He has highest authority over every single living and, and unliving being in the planet. And look at the words that are used here to describe how God, protect, how God protects you. In God, you will find these things, shelter. See that? You can circle these. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Verse 2. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. In this context, the people of God would know what shelter is referring to. It's a safe place. Think, think Middle Eastern desert, hot sun. You find a shelter, you find yourself safe from the elements. They're thinking safe place. They knew what refuge was referring to. They would often go through the, the, the mountainside where there was enemies and burglars and wild animals and all kinds of things. And sometimes they'd find a little cleft in a rock. And so when the elements would be getting bad or the, the threat of attack, they would hide in, this, hide in this cave. And that would be called a refuge, a hiding place. When they heard the word fortress, they would picture what Ruth and I pictured. We went to Israel, what we saw. It was amazing how they built their, built their cities back then up on a hill with great big walls, like impenetrable. And so God is your shelter. They think, wow, protection. God is your refuge, the hiding place. God is, God is your fortress. They, they think, wow, like, like impenetrable walls. And you can see enemies coming from miles. Like I'm in a pretty safe place here. So safe, in fact, it says, for God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. What's the snare of the fowler? That's when they used to catch birds. They used to put nets on the ground and disguise them and hide them. And so the bird would come in and think that he was getting some seed and whoosh, scoop them up. And say, God's going to protect you from unknowing attack of the enemy even. And from the deadly pestilence or disease. And look at verse 4. He will cover you with the... His pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. Is this picture again of, of pinions or the outer, outer feathers of a bird. This picture of when you come near to God, you know how safe you are? You know how safe you are? You're this safe. This safe. 
The bird, get the bird, the bird. There it is. That's how safe you are. And we think, ah, oh, sweet, eh? You know what we fail to recognize, I think, believers, brothers and sisters? That's us. Every single day, every hour, every minute, every second of our lives, as we remain in God, God's love protects us like an eagle protects its young. That's how much God loves us. You don't have to protect yourself in this crazy world. You, you don't have to, to, to go to all the wild ends that everybody else goes to. What do we want most in this life? We want safety and we want security, don't we? We want safety, we want security. I, I'm reading online how people today, they're so worried about war and nuclear war, they're building bunkers like underneath the earth to go to their safe place. If all war breaks out, guess what, believers? We don't have to have that. We have our bunker in God. Security systems and alarms has become a multi-billion dollar industry in North America. Why? Because we just want to be safe. Brothers and sisters, we are as safe as we can possibly be in God. People are taking karate and self-defense because they know if something happens, I want to be ready. God's ready. We, yeah, we're good to prepare ourselves, but we don't have to worry about being ready for every circumstance. God is already ready. It doesn't matter if we know who lives next door, because who lives next door? We don't know anymore. That guy from Vegas, he seemed normal, right? Quote, unquote. We don't know. We don't have to know because God is our protector. God is our shield. It says here, God is our shield. And our buckler, his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. A shield is, you know what a shield is, right? A buckler is just a little shield that goes on your wrist or you can carry in your arm. This is God to us. I don't want you, that's comforting to me. Our hearts are prone to fear. We look around and think, there's lots of reason to fear today. We don't have to fear. We have God on our side and God leading us through this life. You know how safe we are? Reminds me of this, this picture of God protecting us. Reminds me of this picture of a number of years ago when I worked in, in a church in London, uh, leaving from the office one, one day, the senior pastor came actually running back in the building, and Mark didn't run, so something was up. He had these big eyes, and he's like, Daryl, Daryl, you'll never guess what's going on outside. The whole road's blocked off. There's SWAT teams and everything. I'm like, you're kidding me. He's like, I'm not. Let's go see. So we went upstairs, and the you know, little window were peeking through in case bullets did start flying. And seriously, there was like SWAT teams, and there were, police were all in their all in their gear, and, and they couldn't leave the church anyway, so we well, might as well stay here for the show, right? And so the, the big SWAT truck, there's a little car pulled over, two guys sitting in it, so obviously they're dangerous. A SWAT truck pulls up, and this great big burly cop with all of the gear got out, and he pulled out this great big body shield with a little thing for his eyes, and then all the other cops got behind him, and they were just kind of like peeking their little guns around, you know, like guns drawn. And this guy like led the charge, and he led right up to the car. There's no, like, stay behind the shield, right? Stay tight in behind the shield. There's nothing to fear. And we watched the whole takedown go. It was actually pretty cool. But that's a picture of how when we stay close to God and allow God to lead us through this life, we are just like, we, have, we don't have anything to fear because the guy in front is big enough to cover us and his shield is strong enough and all we have to do is stay tucked in. And so those moments where you and I both have, those moments we both have, we all have where you're feeling vulnerable and you're feeling insecure and you want to run away. Here's what God wants us to know today. Don't run away. Don't go hide. You know where you go? You run to God and you hide yourself in God. 
That's the place where you'll find your ultimate protection. And get this, God's got you covered from head to toe, from start to finish. Just like you can't escape your own shadow, you can never escape the shadow of the Almighty God. You can never escape him. We sometimes play that game with my daughter because she hates being in our shadow. We walk behind her, so she tries to run from my shadow, and I, I, I'm too quick. I run just, and she, she can't get away from my shadow, and she ends up laughing and joking like, oh, daddy, you know, stop. That's the same with us and God. We can't run from the shadow of the Almighty. The shadow of the Almighty follows us everywhere we go. This should encourage you. This should free you. This should be compelling for you as you think about the world that we live in today. You don't have to fear any longer. Listen to Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10 says. This almighty shadow of God goes with us everywhere we go. Where shall I go from your presence, O God? Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. We don't have to trust in ourselves. We don't have to trust in our smarts or our security alarms or even our own strength. Get this. Here's the truth. God has your back today. God loves you enough to, ha- to have your back. He just doesn't just save you and then leave you hanging until the day you meet him. He covers you for this whole life. And so this presence of God, I hope you see that in the first four verses, the presence of God that is, is unavoidable and is awesome, this presence of God frees you from all of your fears. This presence of God frees you from all of your fears. That's point number two I want you to write in your notes. Looking at verses five through 10. God's presence frees me from my fears. Get this. God promises not just to save us from our sin, but to be our security throughout all of life. It's almost like as we read this, we see, we see God saying that you, you almost have an invisible protective shield of God's care around you that you never, ever have to fear again. This is going to age me, but MC Hammer wrote this song like, can't touch it, can't touch this. It's, as believers, we can walk through life like that with this, this mentality, like, can't touch this. Because of God's protective care, I think the problem is that many of us disconnect what we know from how we live. We can say we know about God's protective care, but then we live in constant, constant fear and anxiety of an epidemic of our day. But listen to what God promises to protect Jesus from and the psalmist from and you and I from. You will not fear, it says in verse five. It's not, hey, you shouldn't fear anymore. It's, hey, it's probably good to not fear. It says, you will not fear. You get this concept of God. You get this concept of God and fear dissipates. What will you fear? The terror of the night? The quiet and subtle attack that the people of God would often fear. You know, when you go to sleep and the off guard, unexpected, you don't have to fear the terror of night. You don't have to fear when the arrow that flies by day, the enemy firing arrows, you don't have to fear those things, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, the diseases and the epidemics that seem to leave no one standing nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. You don't have to fear those all-out slaughters that back in those days the nations had to fear. Verse 7, though a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Last man standing, God's people. Why? Because you've made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. 
All forms of malice and heinous. This is what God's trying to tell his people. All forms of malice and heinousness, they're going to affect you, but not, God's not going to allow you to see the full brunt of those things. And no plague shall ever come near your tent. Honestly, you look at that list, and that pretty much covers it, doesn't it? If we don't have any of those things to fear, then we really have nothing to fear at all. And yet I think the struggle is, is that we know this, but then we still fear. I like to see how many millions of dollars are spent by Christians going to psychologists and counselors to deal with this idea of fear. I wonder how many sleepless nights we have because we fear. Parents fear, kids fear, grandparents fear. Fear when the kids leave the house, you fear when they come home. Reading this, you almost sound like he's talking about our day. You will not fear the terror of the night. If there's a word that's been used more in the last 10 years than the first 32 years of my life, it's terror. There's terror everywhere. There's, you're like, but pastor, there's tons to fear. There's terror everywhere. There, maybe not by night, but there's terror. There's terrorist attacks. There's, there's terrorists. There's, there's terror warnings. There's terror threats. Like, you can't go anywhere without this word terror being thrown around. Of course there's reason to fear. There's no reason to fear even in the midst of the terror of uh, our day. Shootings and bombings and vans plowing into things and people. Even some people waking up with night terrors. You have no reason to fear if you have God on your side. Arrows by day, you're like, well, how does that apply to me? You know, arrows are flying my way. But there's always arrows flying at us every single day. Accusations of the enemy. People seem to somehow want to accuse us and misalign us. You don't have to fear any of those things today. Illnesses, well, I'm not, what happens if I get one of those illnesses? We know we're all prone to illness. We know many believers who have fallen ill. And what if it's me? I fear, I fear. I fear cancer, and I hate that word, cancer. I fear it sometimes. Heart attacks and anxiety and insomnia and depression. And even parents, now we fear Lyme disease. Our kids come from inside, and we're stripping them down and like checking over every part of their body for these little ticks. I'm not saying it's not a bad thing to do, but because we're so fearful. Fear the destruction of reputation and finances and marriages. Well, I hold together. If all this happens, we fear evil. The world's not becoming a better place. As some want to tell you, it's becoming worse and worse. The Bible says it's going to be becoming worse and worse until Jesus finally comes back. We live in a culture of fear. In fact, I looked up phobias this week in the encyclopedia or in the Wikipedia encyclopedia. How, how many phobias are there? Like a, I couldn't even pick which ones to share with you. There's like almost 600 phobias now about everything. Being tickled by a feather, phobia. The number eight, phobia. I see being afraid of some of these things, but there's phobia. We live in this constant state of fear. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to live in fear of our own shadows anymore. Why? Because we live in the shadow of the almighty God. And it says here in Psalm 118, verse 6, And the Lord is on my side, and so I will not fear. What can man do to me? To say we believe in God and to perpetually live in fear is a disconnect. It's a lack of trust. It's a lack of faith. It doesn't really understand the, the love of the God who rescued you, who now lives for you. We 
We don't have to fear anymore. We don't have to live in the what ifs. We can live in the what is. What is? God loves you with an overarching, protective love. I believe today as we even look at God's love, I believe there's, I'm sure even some in this room who just, who just battle fear. Fear is your thing and, and you can't escape it. You run in fear. You walk in fear. You wake up in fear. You go to bed in fear. I'm praying today God will release you from fear as you see the greatness of his love and protecting you. If you're one of those that battles with fear, if we all battle it from time, there's not, from time to time, there's not one person in this room who can say, I don't battle fear if you do. Your fear is that being known that you battle fear. That's your fear. How do we live in, in this world with, without fear? One is to remember who God is. Here's, here's three weapons for your, for your arsenal that I'm going to give you too. We, we live by the word of God. And fear wells up in my heart more often than I like to admit. And I find myself going back to the only place that I can fight my fears with the word of God. So let me give you th- three fear-fighting weapons today. If you find yourself in this place of terror, you find yourself in this place of anxiety, find yourself in this place of like, I don't know what to do next, here's three places you can go to find freedom from your fears. It's in God. It's found in his word. Here's the first one, Psalm 34, 4. It says this, maybe this is just for you today. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. I sought God. He answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. You know, one of the most fearful times of my life was a year, right, the summer after college. And I was so fearful about everything, what I was going to do and, and if I was ever going to get married and all kinds of things. And three times that summer from all across Canada, I got this verse from different people who didn't know each other. And I was like, if that happens to you, don't be like, oh, that's a coincidence. Don't do that. That's not a coincidence. That's God reminding you of a truth that you need to know. And here it is. You call it to God, he'll deliver you from all your fears. Here's another one, Isaiah 41, verse 10 says, fear not. I know I tell you this all the time, but I love this truth. Fear not is said 365 times in the Bible. One for each day of your life because you need this every day of your life. Fear not. Why? For I am with you. This is God speaking. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. And here's what he promises. I'll strengthen you. I will up, I'll help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right, right hand. I will strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. You don't have to fear. I've got you. It says Deuteronomy 5, 5 on there, but it's actually Deuteronomy 3, 22. That's just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> That's a mistake I made. Deuteronomy 3, 22. Here it is. You shall not fear them. Who's them? Whoever you need it to be. For it is the Lord your God who fights for you. We don't have to fear. We have a God who loves us enough to watch out for us and look after us. In fact, he doesn't just look out for us and watch after us. It says, it says the next, here's the next point. God's power makes me an overcomer. Yes, he cares to look over you and watch out for you, but, but also he gives you the power to be an overcover, overcomer. I'm not just totally covered. I'm also assured of victory. Here's what it says as we go on. Verse 11. Don't be afraid, brothers and sisters. You don't have to live like the world in constant fear. You can be done with that today because you have a God who loves you. And get this, verse 11, and he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in how many of your ways? In all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. 
You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. It's simply reminding you that God is going to protect you in an overwhelming way and give you the strength to conquer whatever comes your way by his grace and his power. He's going to do it through angels and through giving you all that you need to overcome. Look what it says here in verse 11. He's going to command his angels concerning you. Some people think you have a guardian angel. It's never said in scripture. There's never like one angel that's been assigned to you for your whole life. And you that it's not said that, but it is told, has been told us this many times that God has angels. He's got a whole army of angels that's going to protect you. And so it's more like, hey, hey, over there, see that? See that person over there? See that address? Like, get there now. They need your help. Bad. There's a supernatural realm to this life that we can't see. You know that, right? And in that supernatural realm, there's, a, there's, there's the enemy and there's, the, there's the, the bad and the good. And God's saying that his angels will protect you in the supernatural from the enemy. And it says here they'll bear you up. They will hold on to you. They'll keep you afloat. It's not like God just throws water wings on us and see what happens. He actually has angels there keeping us up and helping us be afloat. Constantly looking out for you. Makes me think of our youngest son, actually. He has four angels, per se, in our house. Like, we have to watch everything he does because he's a, he's a maniac. And every, every once in a while, we just yell, where's Nick? Just because we don't know where he is. And we're always rescuing him from, like, tottering over the top of the stairs or climbing up the railing or from the top of the sofa. We're like, get down! Or, like, stepping outside when he's not supposed to. Like, constantly, like, somebody, like, grabbing him. That's what the angels do, except in the spiritual realm. They're always grabbing us and holding on to us and protecting us and like, don't go there, don't touch that, stay safe. That, that's what they do. To ensure that we overcome. I think we're gonna be amazed when we get to heaven and all these little coincidences that we find. God's gonna be like, coincidence, my foot. That was angels protecting you. That was me protecting you and watching over you. We don't need guardian angel. You know why? Because we have, we have God's shadow guarding us. He is our guardian angel. I love the old missionary stories where these truths become uh, seen in reality in life. And I think we're going to have our own missionary stories when we get to heaven. But there's some that have happened here on earth that are just astounding. And one of them is about a guy named uh, John Patton who's a missionary to the uh, New uh, Hebride Islands uh, way back when. And one night him and his wife recognized that they're the mission was surrounded, it's a true story, was surrounded by the savage natives from the countryside and they had their torches and their intent was clearly to burn down the mission and kill Patton and his wife. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? And so what did they do? They didn't know what to do. They were surrounded, they were stuck. So they, they basically earnestly, well, for a whole excruciating night, begged God, God save us, God protect us. If you don't step in, we're dead. In the morning, as they, the dawn came, they were shocked to see the natives just scatter back into the woods. And they were like, oh, thank you, Lord. What happened there? We don't know, but like, thank you, Lord. About a year later, the head of the, the chief of the tribe that was going to surround them and kill them came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so at meeting this guy, Patton asked him this question. He's like, you, know, you have to remember that night that I still remember for sure. You have to remember this night. But a year ago and surrounded us and we're chanting, we're going to burn our place down and kill us. Like, whatever made you turn back? The chief of the tribe looked at him and said, well, 
How could we ever attack you when, you're, when your compound is surrounded by these great big men with glowing garments with swords drawn? You thought we were going to attack those guys? True story, Patton's like, there was no guys around our house. <laughs> Except the ones that God put there to protect his people. This is the way that God protects us with his angels. When we, when we get stressed and we get worried, we think that God's not there. God is there. Even Satan knows this. Actually, this is the verse that Satan quoted to Jesus. Remember when he said, when he said in the temptation, he's like, hey, hey, well, throw yourself down. The angels will take care of you. That's the verse he's quoting. Trying to goad him into doing something he shouldn't do, but he didn't quote verse 12. Look what verse 12 says. He's a crafty little fellow. Because he knew if he quoted verse 12, he's talking about himself. On their heads, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. What's Satan called? A serpent? What's an adder? It's a viper. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. You read this and the God's people of the day would probably be thinking, you run into a lion, man versus lion, what's going to happen? You run, they're too fast. You fight, they're too strong. You're done. God, God, see, if you run into a lion, you're not done. This is, like the, this is like the insurmountable opponent to the people of God. You run into a lion, you're not done. You run into a viper, the desert viper, you know, coiled and claw fangs out and ready to put venom into you. Like, what do you do in that case? You, you freeze or you run, you melt in a puddle of like, I'm done. And yet God says, you don't have to fear anything because God will give you the power to even stomp on the lion and the adder. God will give you the grace to crush the most insurmountable odds by his supernatural protection and power. Romans chapter 8 tells us this, brothers and sisters, we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are strong, not because we're strong at all, because God is strong. And because God's power protects us no matter what comes up against us. I know what some of you are thinking, so this isn't even real, Pastor. This isn't even realistic. I know so many people who've gone through so many things and they have been attacked and they didn't make it and even Jesus, Jesus died on the cross. How does that, if this is a messianic psalm, how does that relate to Jesus? How does that relate to sickness and illness? How does that relate to Christians who have crazy things happen to their families and how does that all relate? According to this, we're never gonna be touched. No. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. Here's, here's what's real. It doesn't mean we're not gonna be touched by these things but it means that God is gonna allow us to even conquer in the midst of these things. Let me give you an example of this. I have a guy I've really gotten close with over the last number of years. We talk uh, every couple weeks, definitely once a month, as he uh, helps us with our church finances, Ryan Robertson. And I really got, really got an affection for Ryan. Every time I go to Oakville, he gives me a stack of books that he's got. And we've really become good friends. In the summer, I got to go away with him for a few days with, with another friend, John McMullen. We went to a, a two-day conference. And, and for the last number of months, Ryan's been sick. And he's just looked not healthy. And I keep saying, Ryan, are you okay? Like, you need to get a doctor. See, I already saw a doctor. Everything's fine. It's not a big deal. We went to that conference in, over, the last, over the summer. And the next week, and he was going to go on a missions trip right after. He got on a plane to get there and got halfway around the world and realized, I'm really sick. i got to go home. So came home, went to the doctor. I didn't even know he was home. I thought he was in Tuktoyaktuk, way overseas. Calls me up the Friday. and He's like, uh, I'm like, Ryan, aren't you like overseas? He's like, I was. Here's the deal. Got sick. All this weight loss stuff, it's for real. I just found out I have cancer. I was crushed. I have to admit, I was crushed. I was like, what? 
Like, how bad is it? Don't know yet. It's going to find out next Tuesday. And we've got some friends that are, he's got a friend that's a doctor. He's got in pretty quick. It's not good. So I said that was not good. So I've been texting him every Friday because he gets he has chemo now every Friday for the next six months, every second Friday for six months. Every two weeks he has chemo and it kills him. So every second Friday I text him in the morning, praying for you, man, here's a verse. And Tuesday I call him, are you doing okay? Just want to follow up. And after the first couple chemo, the first one really took his toll. Like I just smoked him in the teeth, like took him right out. And he's like, man, it was the hardest weekend of my life, but I'm still kicking kind of thing. And I was like, you know what, you're, you know, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay, I think. He's like, you know, I'm tired of people telling me I'm going to be okay. That's what he said to me. He's like, I'm tired of people telling me I'm going to be okay. He's like, because the reality is, just because they're praying doesn't mean that God's going to heal me. The reality is I might not be here in a year. But here's the deal, Daryl. Whether I'm here in a year, I'm here for 10 more years, God's going to give me all that I need to get through this. And either way, God is going to be glorified in my life. That, my friends, is more than a conqueror. That is more than a conqueror. All this prosperity stuff of, like, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't get sick, and you shouldn't this, you shouldn't that, that's baloney. The reality is, is God is going to give us all the strength that we need to overcome whatever comes our way. We don't have to fear. God is on my side. God is on my side. And God's got whatever comes our way in life. Whatever comes your way in life, if you're even there today and you're like, man, things have come my way. It's Thanksgiving, but I am underneath the load. It is, it is not a real thankful time. I heard just, just know this, brothers and sisters, God loves you still. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans chapter eight, famine and nakedness and danger and sword, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Number two, know this, God is overseeing this. God is even overseeing this in your life. It's hard to understand. We don't get it, but God is overseeing this. Nothing happens in your life that first doesn't pass through the desk of God. And Job teaches us. Remember Job? He teaches us that, you know what? It's all gonna be okay because 42.2, my favorite verse in Job, the plans of God, no one can thwart the plans of God. God's overseeing this. Number three, know this, God can handle this. You might not be able to handle it. You don't have to handle it. God can handle this. His grace is sufficient for me. His power is made complete in my, in my, my weakness. So you know what? Just like Ryan told me, I'll never forget those words out of his lips. Just like Ryan told me, no matter what, as followers of Jesus Christ, I win. No matter what, as followers of Jesus Christ, I win. In everything, I will come out on top. Brings us to our last point, point number four, quickly. God promises me ultimate deliverance. God promises me today ultimate deliverance. You'll tread on the lion and the adder. You're gonna, you're gonna conquer this cancer. You're gonna conquer this fear. You're gonna conquer this hardship, not with your strength, maybe not in the way you think you will, but God is gonna help you overcome because he promises ultimate deliverance. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. What's our role? And it's just holding fast to God in love like you did with your parent when you were young. Just hold on to him and let him lead you and carry you through life. Look at what God says. I'll protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him and honor him with long life. I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
A lot of things to circle in these verses. So get that little pen flying. Deliver him and protect him and answer him and be with him and rescue him and honor him and satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is God's promise to you and I. This is God's promise that has never failed throughout the whole ages. It's never failed. Think of all the Bible characters we know that God never failed. Daniel in the lion's den. Did God fail him with these promises? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire furnace. Did God fail them with these promises? Jonah and that great big whale. Did God fail him? Gideon in war. The God's people in the plagues and the and the overcoming the plagues in the Red Sea. And and Peter and Paul in the Book of Acts. Remember the Book of Acts went through it all last year. They were getting beaten and stoned and ridiculed and mocked. And they were chasing them. And did God preserve them? Did God preserve the church throughout all the ages? We're still here because God's preserved us. He's never failed on these promises. Lazarus. Dead and done. God didn't fail him either. Psalm chapter 20, verses 7 to 9. David, always a man in battle, after one of his probably excruciatingly hard victories, said this, Now I know this, that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand. Oh, Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Coming in here today with trouble, coming in here today with fear, you can leave that behind as you turn to Jesus Christ and trust in the name of the one true God of the universe. Three promises from these last few verses you have to hold on to. God promises you ultimate deliverance. Number one is this, God will answer you. But I don't know what to do, pastor. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so fearful. Life is, I've been touched in life. I'm not untouchable. I don't know what to do. Here's Here's what you need to know today. God will answer you. Where do you turn? Turn to God. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you. The psalmist had complete confidence in this and Psalm chapter 86, verse 7, I will call on you, O God, knowing that you will answer. Here's the thing with God you have to always remember. It's hard to remember. We forget this in the difficult times, in the times of fear, the times of trouble. Don't forget this. God just doesn't hear us. He answers us. You'll never call God and get the, like, busy signal. You'll never call God and get the, for God, press one. Every time you call, one person answers and one person alone. Who is it? It's the voice of God himself. It says it right here in the text. I will answer him. So here's my question. Why don't we hear God's answer in the times of of turmoil and the times of fear? Here's why. Here's why. Because we don't call on him. Or we call so quickly. Oh, God, I got stuff to... Here's what I'm encouraging you to do, brothers and sisters. This, this fear thing has nothing, it should have no part of a Christian's life. We can walk out these doors and be confident, as, as more confident than anyone else in the world because we have God on our side. You need to take your fears, you need to take your struggles and all those things to God in prayer. Really pray. I don't think we know how to pray. I think we want fast food prayer. Big Mac, please, answer this prayer, please. But to really pray... Get on your knees and pray and weep and pray and call out to God and pray and listen for his voice and pray and open up his word and, and pray so you can hear his voice. And Don't get off your knees until you hear the voice of God and God's giving you an answer for what you're going through and what your fear is. 
Here's the assurance as believers. When we call to God, he will answer us. And so pray hard and pray often. Our church is a praying church. We pray hard, we pray often. Even this Tuesday night, we're gathering together to pray. It's not just another service. We're coming together to pray, and we're really going to intercede for each other and for the things that matter most. Where you are praying, where there is prayer, there is no fear. Where you get close to God, there is no fear. God promised to answer us. Here's the second one. God will be with you. See it right here in the text? I will answer you. I will be with you. Here's some most of the most encouraging words you can hear. I will be with you. Five words. Hold on to those close to your heart. Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and our fortress, our very present help in times of trouble. Where is God in my troubles? Where is God? He's not just present. He is very present. But I don't feel him. I don't see him in the darkness of our turmoil and our trials and our fears. Guess what? We often don't see God because it's so dark. It's so dark, but you can be assured of this. Even when it's darkness, God is still there. Our youngest son has night terrors, Nick. And so I don't turn the light on because I don't want to wake him up. But you know what I do when he has night terrors? Ruth probably does this too. I don't know. I haven't asked her. I'm usually sleeping when she's up and vice versa. We don't talk about it in the morning. I just go and I kneel beside his little bed. It's just real low. And I, and I just whisper, it's okay, Nick. And, and you can't see daddy, but daddy's here. And sometimes I even put my cheek on his so he can feel my cheek. I just put it right up close. I'm like, buddy, it's okay. Daddy's right here. You can go back to sleep. It's okay. Daddy's right here. When you go through the darkest of nights, all you have to do is start crying out to the Lord. And guess what? He's there. He's by your side. You don't have to wonder. I can't see him. I can't feel him. He's there. Listen close enough. You'll hear his little whisper. I love you. I'm protecting you. I'm here. Get your eyes off the circumstance and onto God, and you'll even feel the, in, in your heart the gentleness of his cheek along yours. It's okay. That assurance, that embrace, I'm here. When you walk out your door in the morning and, and you're wondering, is, is, is God going to be with you this morning? Like, like we know the enemy's planted landmines around trying to trip us up. We know that even other people do sometimes. We don't have to fear. We don't have to wake up in the morning and be like, I got to do this alone. What if I hit something on one of these landmines? What if I do? You just know this. God's with you. God leads you. Just take his hand and let him lead you. He'll lead you around all the landmines every single day. And when Satan tells you, God's not here. You can say, get, out of, get that out of here, Satan. God's right beside me. He's promised you'll never leave me or forsake me. God is with you. I know it's hard sometimes. I get it. I know it's, our emotions get so full we can't get to a place sometimes where we have the right mindset to see all these truths and go to the right passage of Scripture. Just know this. God's always with you because he loves you with his protective love. Know this last one, God will rescue you. Psalm 18, verse two. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. God will rescue you. Who's your knight in shining armor? It's not your earthly dad. It's not your kids. It's not, you know, the, the wealthy guy that you know down the street. It's God. God is your knight in shining armor. He might not show up exactly when you think he should in the way he should, but he will show up absolutely every time in the right time, in the right way, and deliver you from evil until it's your time to meet Jesus face to face. God's not going to let you go early. And in a way that it's not supposed to happen, he's got a perfect plan and he's gonna be with you right up until the day you meet Jesus. And even then, get this, even then, 
I love how it says he was going to honor you. Even in that time, I think this is the truth that God's trying to teach us through this word. Even then, when you get to that place where you're going to transfer from this life to the next eternity, God's not leaving that to chance. Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for your sin. God's going to escort you there and roll out the red carpet and usher you in and show you the room that he's prepared for you, as John says, and show you your place at the banqueting table in a place of honor before the king of kings. He's going to protect you from start to finish. And when you're there, you'll find the eternal satisfaction. See what it says here? Long life, I will satisfy him. That's eternal life. The eternal satisfaction of finally and fully seeing your salvation face to face. This is the greatest day in all of history. The day you finally see Jesus face to face, and you can be assured as a believer, you will be there by God's protective hand. This is really teaching the doctrine of perseverance of the saints. This whole idea that I have to get up and I have to have enough faith to hold on to God's hand my whole life and if I let go, I'm done. And No, here's, the, here's what this is teaching us, that, that when you accept Jesus Christ, when you allow him to drive the, the car of your life, you get in the passenger seat and you buckle up because God has one destination in mind. He's gonna get you there. He's gonna get you to heaven. And it might not be the way that you think, the path that you drive. It might have a few unexpected stops along the way. It might not even be your timing. But God's going to get you in the perfect way, in the perfect time, so that your life will be complete in his plan. As believers in Christ, we can bank on it. This is our reality as believers. Unfortunately, if you're not a believer in Jesus today, if you're here checking us out, I want to tell you that this is not quite yet your reality. The reality that you face today is that you're still in, in sin and, and you're still separated from your father because only Jesus can bridge that gap. And yet God loves you enough to send his only son to die on the cross for your sin, that you would, that you would grab a hold of him and humble yourself and submit yourself to him, that, he would then, that, that you would then allow God to be your heavenly father, that God would justify you through Jesus, which makes you as if you just as if you never sinned, that God would sanctify you through Jesus, make you more like Jesus Christ every day, and ultimately one day God will glorify you through Jesus Christ. That's God's plan for you, and your role in this is to humbly submit to God and ask forgiveness and ask that God would do that in you. But if this is your reality today, you can leave here with this assurance. You have a God that didn't just die for you, he also lives for you and protects you with an everlasting love to the very end let me leave you with this thought. This sort of summarizes the whole chapter. This is just I'm trying to help you understand this chapter. It's quick. There's lots more to say about Psalm 91. We'll come back to it another day because it's so full. But let me leave you with this. Summarize it well. It's a song by Walt Hera, written in the mid-90s. It's called God Will Deliver Me. Even close your eyes and let me read this to you and let these truths penetrate your heart today as the worship team comes. God will deliver me. God will deliver me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. In the past, my every need, he's always met. I can trust his promises without regret. He knows my every need. Surely he will intercede. I know eventually God will deliver me. God's word is as good as done, each promise, every one. My faith is weak and nagging doubts appear. That's the time I hear him whisper in my ear, you are a child of mine, so you don't have to fear. God has a master plan. Though I don't understand, I know eventually God will deliver me. Let me pray. Father, with this 
passage be the reality of our hearts. God, do we no longer separate what we know from how we live? Would you allow fear in us, oh God, to be replaced with faith today? Would you help everyone in this room fix their eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith? May you help us understand the breadth and the width and the depth of the love of God. As we leave these doors today, we could go with confidence and with assurance like never before that God has absolutely everything covered and God will deliver me. Oh God, may this be our reality. May we not live like the world. May we not fear like the world. May we live like we're blood-bought sons and daughters of the eternal God whose limit of power knows no end. We love you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.